welcome to episode four of the Bible and Me podcast. In this episode, Nigel Watts talks to Paul and Abby Brooks, missionaries with OMF International in Taiwan, about being called early in life to serve God full time and their lives in Taiwan as missionaries. We pray this blesses you. The views expressed in this podcast are those of the individuals speaking and may not represent the views of Precept Ministries UK. We hope and pray that this podcast will bless you in your walk of faith. If it does, leave us a rating or review and subscribe for more podcasts every Friday. And now, without further ado, here's the podcast. Well, I am really excited to welcome Paul and Abby Brooks to the program today. I think this is the first time actually I've ever interviewed a couple before. So it's lovely to have you here. Um, You're... Paul and Abby are both young missionaries with OMF International in Taiwan. Uh, OMF International used to be known as China Inland Mission before 1964, and uh, since then has been known as uh, Overseas Mission Fellowship, uh, but now it's OMF International. Uh, It's an international and interdenominational missionary society founded in Britain, would you believe, by Hudson Taylor, in June 1865. Incredible. Paul and Abby married in September 2007, and Abby is due their first child on the 25th of May this year. Congratulations on that. Thank you. Uh, Paul grew up in Reunion Island, and who wouldn't want to grow up in Reunion Island off the east coast of Madagascar, uh, Africa, until he was in his mid to late teens when he came to Salisbury to complete his education. I guess that's why you love the ocean and surfing and swimming and all that stuff. Not much of that in Salisbury. No. Um, And after leaving school, Paul worked in a variety of jobs until being called by God to serve with OMF in Taiwan. Abby was educated in Milton Keynes, then went to Redcliffe College to do a BA in Applied Theology. She too has done a variety of jobs before getting married and then being called with Paul to serve the Lord in Taiwan. Uh, I also noticed that you like snorkeling. Yes. I wonder where you got that from. Yes. And that you wow. don't like much like unrecognisable foods, of which mm-hmm. I'm sure there are lots in Taiwan. Plenty, plenty. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm really thrilled that you're here, and I'm great to catch you um, since you're back from your first uh, time out in Taiwan. So I want to ask you both first off, why do you follow Jesus? Did you grow up in the Christian faith? How did you come to faith? So either mm. of you, whoever wants to go first. Yeah, um, there are lots of ways I could answer this question. I was born into a Christian family. Both my mum and dad are Christians, and my older sister and my younger sister are also Christians. So uh, that really obviously influenced me. Going to church every Sunday was just a normal part of life. Um, Coming to faith really has been a process, a real journey. Um, I can cite some significant moments throughout um, my life that really had an impact on me. Um, The question as to why I follow Jesus, I think... Just in my journey of faith, as I've gotten to know Jesus more, I can't help but be motivated and inspired um, by the person of Jesus and his example. And just I found myself um, being drawn more and more to him and falling more in love with him. And so for me, um, yeah, it's just I want to follow him. I can't help but want to follow him and his example and, um, yeah, allow him to kind of be a witness in my life. So... Um, I think that's a very simple answer, but there's a lot more there that I could probably um, 
cite as reason as to why I follow Jesus, in, including parents' influence and church influence and sure. various how about, things. How about you, Paul? Um, uh, yeah, I also grew up in a, in a Christian family. My parents were missionaries. Uh, that's why I grew up in Reunion Island. Oh, right. So um, I guess from a very young age, I knew about God and I followed him. Um, but when we moved to the UK, I, uh, I had a few years of uh, feeling lost and feeling kind of, I guess, angry and... Um, not sure about things, not sure about God, um, and I guess rebellious, not wanting to be near church and all this kind of thing. But um, eventually, after a few years, um, I turned back to God. I, I knew he'd been calling me for a long time, um, and I think I just ignored it for a while. <laughs> but, yeah, I think I just... I, I rediscovered for myself that... He loved me more than I could possibly understand and um, and gave me life. And so he's a source of life generally and love and everything. It was good. And uh, why would I not want to follow him? Mm, wonderful. Now, I'm guessing you guys met at Redcliffe College uh, whilst you were doing theology degrees. You're nodding at me there. Yes. Um, <laughs> I, I, Occasionally I go down to Moreland's Bible College and do mm. some stuff down there. They call it Moreland's Bridal College. <laughs> uh, I don't know what, whether Redcliffe's got a similar name. But um, <laughs> Now, question. So what, both individually, what led you to go to Bible College? Because that's quite a big move, isn't it? To give up your job and, and all that that involves, I guess, self-funding and work, I mean, and studies. I mean, what led you to go to Bible College? Um, for me, it was... Actually, shortly after I came back to God, um, it was such a life-changing thing um, that I really wanted to learn more about God and understand um, understand the Christian faith better. Uh, but more than anything, just just learn more about God and how I could serve Him, um, how I could live better um, in relationship with Him. And I thought the best place to do that would be to go to Bible college. So um, that's what I did. Fantastic. And what about you, Ali? Because you were, you were with us here, weren't you, for a while? Yes, I was, before. yeah. So it would lead up to that. So why did you, what led you to go? Um, again, a journey, a real process. Um, actually, from a young age, I felt God calling me to serve as a missionary. At the age of seven, I met a missionary, and she had a real impact on my life. And so from that point on, I was always um, really wanting to go overseas to serve God. And so um, throughout my schooling, that was kind of my motivation, just to keep going, to keep sort of um, following this sort of path, I guess. And so I got to the end of my A-levels, and it came to the time when all my friends were looking at universities, and I considered various options. Um, and my older sister actually went to Moorlands, so I knew that there were Bible colleges around. Um, but whenever I looked into the options, there was nothing that really particularly just grabbed me and felt right until um, uh, a family friend mentioned that, oh, you do know that there are Bible colleges that specialise in training for cross-cultural ministry overseas. And I thought, that's what I want to do. So um, after my A-levels, I took a gap year. And I spent six months of that in South Africa, working um, with AIDS um, orphans and working with World Vision, actually, in their offices in Milton Keynes. 
um, before then when I was 19. So fairly young, starting my degree. So in one respect, um, it was furthering my education, but really it was because I wanted to um, have some training in preparation to go overseas and serve as a missionary. Fantastic. So, so you met at Redcliffe. Now, I've got to ask this question. Was it love at the first sight? Uh, <laughs> There's a lot of I'm trying to, going that's on. a complicated <laughs> okay, question. Okay, shall we move on? Shall we move on? Um, now, you, after you left Redcliffe, you both went back to secular work until you started with OMF. I mean, was that time just a waiting time, waiting on God, waiting to see what he was going to do? Um, how did God actually call you to be missionaries on the other side of the world in a totally different culture, different language? I mean, how did that happen? I mean, that sounds, that's crazy to do that, isn't it? Um, yes, I guess it is. <laughs> um, we, uh, well... Um, when we left Redcliffe, we already knew we wanted to serve God um, full-time. We didn't know where. It could have been in the UK. It could have been uh, overseas. Um, but we knew we wanted to serve God full-time. But we just got married, so we wanted to also just, I guess, get to know each other better, get used to being married um, and growing up a bit, I, I guess. Um, so that's why we did kind of you know, everyday jobs um, and... Um, at the same time, yeah, we did also look into mission organizations and we uh, tried to listen to what God would be wanting us to do because, um, like I said, we didn't really know uh, whether it would be here or, or overseas. And, um, yeah, I think over time, step by step, God was seemed to be pointing us in the direction of Taiwan with this mission organisation. I could go into a lot more detail than that, but, um, yeah. What are some of the key things that led you to Taiwan specifically? Because, as you say, it could be any nation. Were there, how, how did God do that? I'm just interested to see how God, you know... Yeah, the first moment, I think, for both of us um, was when we were still at Bible College um, in our third year. Um, so every year we had to do a block placement. And in our third year, newly married, we went off to Cambodia with OMF. And that was a five-week block placement. And at that point, we were really starting to seek, okay, God, where would you like us? And we came back from Cambodia not really feeling that that was necessarily a place that God would have us serve. Um, and off the back of that, the field directors from OMF Taiwan came to college and shared in their devotions about the need in Taiwan. And we were both sat next to each other, but uh, we didn't know that we'd each kind of had this sort of spark of interest, just sort of... Um, I don't know, as we were listening to them share, we kind of thought, that sounds really interesting, and I wonder whether we need to follow this up. Um, so that was, I think, the initial kind of beginning of things. So, But at the end of our third year, we obviously had lots of work, dissertations and things, so we kind of just put that on hold. Um, I think the option of Taiwan never really left us from that point. We did start considering other countries, uh, specifically with OMF, because we'd had some good uh, links with OMF through our time in Bible college, and... So we were looking at Japan and Thailand and Taiwan and um, France at one stage. Um, you know, as Paul said, there's a whole world out there. So how do you whittle it down? Yeah. Um, but I think eventually we just thought, no, this idea of Taiwan has not left us. And maybe what would be helpful is to go to Taiwan just for a couple of weeks, go to this place, meet people, find out what's happening there and see how we feel God might be speaking to us um, 
through that time. And Is that what you did? Yeah, that's what we did. So we, and how was that time when you went? Um, I think it was... It was, it was a really necessary time. It wasn't necessarily easy. I think um, I distinctly remember getting to the end of our two weeks thinking, wow, we've seen so much. There's really interesting things going on here. We see lots of opportunities. It's a really exciting place. But this sense of, oh, I'm really not sure. <laughs> really not sure. And um, we sat in the airport waiting for our flight back to the UK. And I think we just had a chat about what we were thinking and feeling. And um, I remember something that uh, Paul's mum had said to us. Um, and she had said, when she'd had some similar challenges in her life, she had basically said to God, God, I, I'm, I'm not sure that I'm willing, but I'm willing for you to make me willing. <laughs> and I, that just, for me, was how I felt. I felt like, God, I'm not, I'm not sure whether I want to come here, actually. There's a lot of things I'm not really sure about that. I'm not sure how I'm going to get on, whether I like it even. Um, but I knew that I wanted to trust him and obey him and... Um, also throughout that time in Taiwan, um, a passage that had really been on my mind and heart and kind of bugging me quite a lot actually was John 10, 4, which talks about how the sheep um, know the shepherd's voice and they follow him. And every time we went to some kind of like church meeting or a prayer meeting while we were in Taiwan, they, there was a song or it would be the passage that was being spoken about. And um, I was like, what is it with this passage? What's going on here? And I was like, God, you know, what are you trying to say to me? And I think I had this real sense by the end of our time um, that God was just saying to me, you know what, Abby, I know you want to kind of know where this magical place is that, you know, I want you to serve. But actually, you know, the sheep follow the shepherd because they know his voice, not because they know where he's going and that they know he's taking them to a, you know, a nice place or that they'll be okay I mean actually if we know the shepherd's voice we can trust him that he will take us to good places and be with us regardless and the best place to be is where he wants us to be so I think the combination of just um, hearing him really speak through that particular verse and just this desire to want to trust and obey and follow him mm. um, I think really were the things that sort of made up our minds but it, it, it was a kind of process of getting back to the UK after that time and still praying and asking questions and thinking it through um, until we decided to follow through with the application process to Irma. Wow. And what what did you have to do uh, before going out to Taiwan? I mean, what were the, what were the key steps? Um, well, they wanted us to have um, Bible college training, which we did. Yes. Um, and then we just needed to do various interviews, um, masses, masses of application forms, and um, they're very thorough. They really, um, you know, want to know uh, that, you know, I guess they just want to know you well and uh, want to work through this process with you. So we did a lot of interviews and, um, yeah, applications, talking with churches, yeah, our, our home church, uh, making sure everybody was on the same page. And, um, yes, we had to have a supporting church uh, that was sending us. And uh, we um, needed to have prayer supporters, people who would be uh, dedicated to praying for us um, regularly. And we also needed to have the financial support to go. Um, and 
Well, we didn't really know where to start with any of those things, um, but I think God really put all those things into place in an amazing way. Um, our church was very supportive and um, helpful. Uh, people rallied around in all sorts of ways, and suddenly we had, you know, all the things that we needed, financial support, prayer support, and everything else that we needed as well. So we arrived in Taiwan and were thinking, what, 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 what are we doing here? Sounds as though God wanted you to go. Yeah, it, yeah, that's how it felt like. Yeah. So tell me, what was it like when you actually got there? What was your first year like? Um, crazy, but wonderful at the same time. I think the first year was um, actually a, a good year. It was challenging, obviously, because it's so different, so much to get used to, having just left family and friends that you love. So there were a lot of challenges. But I think it was also exciting because it was new and lots of lots of things to learn about language, culture, food, and all this kind of stuff. And and so that's exciting and fun. Um, were you doing full time language training? Yes, in Chinese. Yes, that's right. Yeah. So I mean, I don't know much about Chinese, but that doesn't look like A B C D E to me when you <laughs> no. look at those letters. <laughs> it's 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 not. It's quite different, but it's it's really fun to learn. And we had amazing teachers as well. Um, yeah, we had the same kind of feeling of uh, overwhelming, uh, overwhelmed, yeah, an overwhelmed feeling when we first looked at the language and thought, how are we going to learn that? But the teachers really helped us, you know, they just broke it down and bit by bit we learned it. So yeah, I think the first year was quite quite a good year really in a way because it was exciting and um, uh, yeah. Mm. And I think too, we kind of, we prepared ourselves for it to be kind of um, a season of just really being thrown in at the deep end and I think we were ready to embrace that in many respects and there were certain things that we kind of knew to expect we didn't know exactly what those things would be like or what they'd feel like but I think it was almost a bit of a honeymoon period and there was just so much that was exciting and new and and different now if you ask our families what was their first year like I don't know whether they would have said the same because obviously for them they had just said goodbye to us and life was kind of I guess carrying on as normal but without us being there so yeah, yeah. Um, i mean do you get things like deli belly or taiwanese tummy or whatever they call it um i think you know? paul had a f- bit more of that than i did simply because he's a bit more adventurous with trying things but on the whole things were things were okay actually not too bad it depends how brave you it depended how brave you were in terms of trying and i'm guessing there was something things. that you looked at and you thought I, I don't know what sort of food that actually is yeah there was something we thought that definitely needs a prayer whatever that is <laughs> <laughs> yeah help me to keep it down lord yeah. that would be really good thank you <laughs> yes. so you were full-time language training was it like yeah. every day for a couple of for hours the first two years we were full-time which meant um we went to language school five days a week which was um three hours of class every day one-on-one with a teacher in a tiny little sort of Uh, yeah language room not very big um so you couldn't really escape you knew exactly what was happening in their lives and vice versa because it was just you know full on and then of course there was the preparation time for class and homework so that was the first year uh first two years and were you allowed to speak english to each other or did you have to speak chinese to each other um what do you mean with the teachers no with each other well, our teachers always um, suggested, oh, when you're at home, you can speak to each other in yeah. Chinese. But yeah. actually, that was our only place where we could really speak English. And we thought, you know what, we've got enough stresses without having to add that into things. And to communicate in Chinese 
um, when we're trying to just live life um, and with all the frustrations and stresses, we just thought, no, our marriage doesn't need that extra stress. So <laughs> we opted out of that one. But actually, since being back on home assignment here in the UK, um, we sometimes Don't tell do, me you speak, do Chinese, speak you Chinese at home because crazy. actually that's the one place we can. We, it's, it's, the, it's the opposite, isn't it? So um, Really? Yeah. Oh, amazing, amazing. Um, you've just returned from Taiwan after being there for four years. Mm. Uh, I'd like to know what what is God doing in Taiwan? Uh, what are some of the ways that you've been led by God over there um, or encouraged by him in the work that you've been doing? Um, what is God doing in Taiwan? I think um, he's doing in Taiwan what he's doing in the rest of the world, drawing people to him. And um, we were privileged i think to see god doing that in people's lives around us um and i think um that was that was a very special thing for us and very meaningful because we've been having quite a hard time um this was after the first year (laughs) um and yeah we'd been through all sorts of difficulties and feeling low uh and i think feeling useless more than anything um, when we're when you feel low and um, you know lots of stresses uh, you don't feel like you can uh, operate you know you can't do anything and and we felt like what could we possibly do for God of any value in that state but um, it was precisely in that kind of moment in that time that um, we saw God doing amazing things in, in people's lives around us and in our lives too, um, kind of bringing healing to the things that uh, we've been going through. Um, so the verse, my grace is sufficient, springs to my mind. Yeah, you know. indeed. That's, that's been mm-hmm. one of the crucial ones for us too. Mm-hmm. Um, that his power is made perfect in our weakness. Mm-hmm. And um, You mentioned yeah. the difficulties there. What were some of the difficulties? Uh, I mean, it sounds like yeah. going off to be missionaries in Taiwan and yeah. you know, exciting and all that. But but what what were some of the practical difficulties that mm. you came across? Well, funny enough, the 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 things that um, we expected, you know, like the language and the culture, those kinds of challenges, we found okay. Actually, mm. um, we we were okay with those kind of things. What we found more difficult were were things that we didn't expect so much. Um, uh, just, I guess, um, when you're in a multicultural team or working with people from a different culture, whether it's Taiwanese or, or people within your team, and people from different uh, backgrounds, the- theological backgrounds and all this kind of thing, it can sometimes get difficult um, and there can be kind of uh, conflicts and misunderstandings quite easily. And I think at one point we felt we found that very very difficult um and uh yeah that got us a bit down and other things as well like we struggled quite a lot physically and emotionally um health wise i was in and out of hospital for various things um and uh, yeah i had a good health before going to taiwan but it lots of things happened while we were in taiwan and uh, that gets you down. And Abby struggled with depression for a while, quite a while. 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and and just being far away from family and friends mm. was often a source of pain, really. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So, so what, what? I mean, you, depression. What? What? How did that manifest itself, and how did you cope with that? Where was God in all of that? Mm. Um, it wasn't very clear to me initially um, what was happening, but um, yeah, just it. It really, yeah, it did get me really low, and um, I just kind of lost a lot of motivation for things. Found myself withdrawing quite a lot. Um, I don't remember it very clearly, but Paul says that I was very tearful a lot of the time, mm-hmm. most days. Mm-hmm. Um, I sort of was just trying to hold it together and muddle through, and kind of thinking, no, I, th- I think I'm all right. I, you know, I'm just about kind of managing, and um, I, I couldn't really see it in myself actually. So I actually took. Um, again, Paul's mum, a wonderful woman, um, saying to me, um, I think you need to see, see a doctor about this. So, um, so that, was, that was a tough season. In some ways, the hardest thing that ever happened, but in many ways, the best thing that ever happened because it was through that season that I really came to know God in a new way. Um, and he just really ministered to me in that. And I've just felt that my relationship became more real with him. Um, and I think... Yeah, just the Psalms, for example. David does an awful lot of lamenting. And I found myself really being able to relate to a lot of what was in the Psalms all of a sudden. I could really relate to some of those words. Mm-hmm. And finding that David was going through difficult things, really tough things, but he was being honest with God about that. And so that gave me permission to say, you know what, God? I'm not sure how I feel. I'm not sure how I feel about you. I don't know where I'm, I am in all of this. What's going on? I just don't know. And um, I think that was... Um, yeah, really, really necessary time, really helpful time. And um, yeah, amazingly, he's just really brought a lot of healing, a lot of hope. He's brought me through a long way. Um, and yeah, he just really, yeah, really kind of turned things around in a big way. So, so in a tough time, physically and emotionally, mm-hmm. spiritually, you felt you were growing. Yeah, it's a funny thing. I felt like... I had this overwhelming sense that God was very present. It didn't always feel like I heard him much, but I just knew he was there. And I knew that he was doing stuff, and I had this sense of... um, I I knew this was a valley season, and I knew that I needed to just keep trusting in him, that there would be a better day, and that there would be things that would come out of this season that God could use, that nothing would be wasted. Um, And so, although it wasn't... Happy time. It didn't look particularly pretty a lot of the time. I just tried as best I could just to keep holding on to him, and um, and keep trusting in him and walking. And I think we always had this sense that because um, you know one of the big questions was God. You know, should we still be here? I mean, like Paul was saying, we just felt like I had nothing to contribute. I mean, what could I possibly do? Like, um, there's so many questions about ourselves, about God, about ministry, about life in general. Um, and I think. The sense that we got the whole time we were questioning, you know, should we still be here in Taiwan? Should we still be serving God in this capacity? Uh, We just felt in the way that he called us here, and we know that we're meant to be here, we haven't had the sense that he's calling us out, so therefore we stay. And we just keep trusting. And we just trust that he will be faithful and good to us. And so that's essentially what kept us there. I mean, it wasn't, there were times when we did want to reach for that passport and pack our bags. But um, we just had no sense that God was really asking us to, to, come out of that situation so we just stayed and kept on amazing and you saw people come to faith while you were over 
for during the time um, through friendships and your ministry? Yeah, uh, amazingly. Um, and I think we've shared a bit before with other people about how it actually seemed like despite us more than anything, <laughs> not through our ministry or anything like that, but uh, God was doing stuff. And, um, yeah, I, I can probably share a story mm. of one of the guys. Yeah, do. Um, well, well, yeah, I better start a little bit earlier. Uh, we, we were at this church in Taiwan that we'd been attending um, regularly, and it wasn't, we hadn't been there for that long, I bet maybe a year and a half or so. And so our Chinese wasn't the greatest. Um, and I guess... I'm not the only one, but sometimes staying focused in church isn't the easiest, but especially if it's in a language you're still learning. So um, you know, we were lost in our own thoughts that day, um, and then suddenly we heard the pastor calling our names, and so we kind of suddenly, uh, that got our attention back. Woke up. Yeah. <laughs> and we realized that um, she was uh, asking us to come and stand at the front, and so we went to do that, and... Um, she handed us this baton covered with multicolored ribbon and um, you know, we weren't really sure what was going on so I just bowed and said thank you for the pretty baton <laughs> but we didn't really understand and uh, I, I, as, as she was talking about it we realized that what it represented was the church handing responsibility of the youth to us and it was quite unexpected and you know we were they warned this had you been warned about this no, before? No, not at no. all. Um, and, then, and then two minutes later, uh, the only two young people in, in the church were also asked to come and stand in the front and um, to be prayed for because they were going to go to university um, the next week. So, and, you know, that's the other side of Taiwan. So we got home that day kind of thinking, what is going on? You know, suddenly we're in charge of this youth group, but with no youth. And um, well, it, a sense of humor. yeah, and um, some pretty high expectations from the church. You know, they're thinking, "Great new missionaries, we can have twenty young people by uh, Christmas." Um, but we didn't know what to do, so we just prayed. Um, and a few days later, um, I was on the bus coming home from the city one night, and this group of university students got on, and um, they saw me, and and th- as often happened because I was the only foreigner around, they would come and... Um, they, you could see they wanted to talk to me, but they were a bit scared of talking English. So they'd usually argue between each other and uh, who should be the one to come and talk to me. And eventually, one of them got pushed onto the seat beside me, and um, I could see he felt awkward and um, nervous trying to find something to say in English. So I just said something in Chinese, and I just said, oh, it's okay, you know, I can speak a bit of Chinese. Uh, to which he was very excited and um, shouted to the rest of his friends, oh, you can speak Chinese. And then everybody came and started talking to me. And and anyway, through that whole thing, we discovered that uh, they were going to the university not far at all from where we were living. And so then when they realized that I was working, we were working with this church um, and in charge of this youth group, but we had no youth, um, Jack, who was this guy who was sat next to me, um, he said with a big smile on his face, oh, well, we can be your youth group. <laughs> and, um, and so, you know, I, I just got home that day um, full of wonder at a, such an awesome answer to prayer that, you know, a few days after this whole thing, suddenly we had a youth group. Um, but, yeah, none of them were Christians at that time. 
Um, so that raised all sorts of other questions. You know, how, how, how do we do a youth group um, in this situation? Especially with the church wanting us to do in-depth Bible studies, which our language level was nowhere near good enough for. But, yeah, these guys came along and they said to us, look, we're not interested in religion. Uh, we just want to get to know you better and go out and have fun. And in a way, that was a relief because we were like, oh, we, our language is okay enough that we can get to know them and, and go out and eat together and chat and listen and all that kind of stuff. And and that's what we did, and we got to know them. Um, and as we did that, you know, they would ask questions about what it meant to have God in your life and uh, to follow Jesus. And so, you know, we were able to talk to them about that kind of thing. But more than anything, we really just became good friends. And um, I'm sorry the story is a bit long, but um, uh, one of the guys... Uh, he texted us a few weeks later and just asked, is it okay if um, Abby teaches me to bake a cake? And we were like, oh, okay, that's a strange request, but sure. Um, and he said, yeah, actually, it's because I've met this girl and she's really lovely and I, I want to go out with her, but I uh, don't know if she likes me. And I thought, well, Abby's made some really delicious cake in the past. And I thought, if she could teach me to bake like that and I could give this girl a cake, she would definitely like me. Um, and so anyway, we found that hilarious, but we, we got together and we just, um, taught him to bake a cake, but listened to him as well. And he was talking about this girl and how she was a Christian and she'd invited him to go to his church. And, uh, you know, he normally didn't go to church because he was not interested at all, but I think cause he liked this girl decided he'd go to the church and that's my story with molly by the way oh really <laughs> yeah i was gonna say that's probably quite a common story and yeah. uh, anyway he um he lost interest in the girl quite quickly the cake worked but he decided she was too bossy um but in that time god obviously uh, worked in his heart and drew him to drew, drew him to, to himself and um, he decided he wanted to follow Jesus. Um, we discovered a few weeks later. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'll, I'll cut down that story because otherwise it'll go on and on. But it was an amazing thing. And um, uh, we just were blown away because he was so genuinely wanting to know God and uh, grappling with all sorts all sorts of questions he had about God and faith and what it meant to really follow Jesus. And that just showed us how genuine he was in it. And uh, it was a privilege to walk through that with him um, uh, and we saw God doing things like that in other people's lives what is the main religion in Taiwan? Um, main, well officially Buddhist um, and Taoist um, but I guess what we saw more than anything is a big mixture of everything really um, Taiwanese people are very open and they have no problem in um, worshipping different gods of different religions at the same time uh, and ancestors. I think probably, yeah, you're right. Probably the biggest thing actually is ancestor worship. That's probably the most important thing uh, to Taiwanese people, um, where they believe that after they die, um, there needs to be people to offer uh, food and um, money and that kind of stuff so that they have a good afterlife. Um, so I think that's a, probably the biggest religious thing in Taiwan ancestor worship. Now, Abby, you were due your first child in May. Um, I've got yeah. to ask this question. Is there going to be a Chinese name? There will be. Oh, no. Yes, there will be. So Seriously? it gives us extra work, yeah, because, I mean, we have Chinese names. Um, 
what we. Are you, what are your Chinese names? Um, my name is He Huiqing, and Paul is He Dewei. Um, yeah, that probably means nothing. That's fine. Um, for you know, simply for documentation, and you know, it makes it easier living life in Taiwan. People can respond to you in a familiar name. So, what does that translate as? Um, my name sort of roughly. It doesn't quite translate straight from the English, but it sort of means Lady of Grace. Oh, that's um, nice. And Paul's has something to do with virtuous, noble. Noble, noble. Yes. Noble man. <laughs> <laughs> Who chose those names? Um, actually, the director of um, OMF, because we um, we had a month's training in Singapore before going to the Taiwan field. And um, our language supervisor emailed to say, have you got Chinese names by any chance? And we were, said, last time we checked, no. We haven't had to need, had needed them up until this point. So he said... Maybe you can you can ask the director who was um, I think he's um, uh, Hong Kong Chinese background, so he and his wife bless them they looked at our English names and just gave you um, yeah. it reminds me when our son Patrick went to Oxford Brookes University I met up with some folks who were from Asia and um, you know they would introduce them to what's your name and they would say my name's Kevin or my name's Gary and mm -hmm. I thought there is no way your name is Kevin or Gary, but I guess it's the opposite with you guys going over there. Same mm. thing. And also the Taiwanese do really like to have English names, and often at schools their teachers might give them English names. So, um, so yeah, but, I mean, obviously with moving to Taiwan, um, we really want to adapt and fit in with the culture and the customs and the norms, and so it's a lot easier for them. I mean, I find it really hard to remember Chinese names, so in the same way I think it could be said that they might find it hard to remember our English names, and it's just a way of identifying, really. That's what Hudson Taylor did, didn't he? Exactly. When I read um, um, about what he was doing over there, incredible, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. um, now, what I want to do is talk about the Bible now. You've mentioned the Bible, you mentioned some verses in the Bible. How important is the Word of God to you, and um, why is that? Um, really important. Um, I think the first kind of moment that I would say that I... Um, that was significant in my journey in coming to faith um, involved a Bible story. Um, my mum read to me the story of Jesus entering Jerusalem, the, the Palm Sunday story, as a four-year-old. And um, I just simply remember thinking, wow, Jesus, this guy seems to be a really good guy and people seem to want to follow him. And my sister, my older sister, had recently become a Christian. And I kind of thought, you know, I don't want to miss out. I, there's something about him that's worth following. So that was kind of my first sort of, I guess, encounter with Jesus, the first thing that really happened to kind of encourage me to give my life to Jesus. Um, so that's one thing. But I think throughout my life, God has used his word just to really challenge and encourage, um, inspire. You know, like I said earlier, when we were in Taiwan, that passage in John 10 was really instrumental um, the way that God used it to really teach me and to guide me and to lead me in the ways that he would have. Um, yeah. So. If somebody was listening to this and wasn't a Christian and really had no idea about the Bible and what the Bible is or mm. the impact of the Bible, what would you say to them? For me, um, one of the things that's particularly been impressed on me recently is the Bible is God's word. It's... it's um, God's word became flesh, dwelt among us in the person of Jesus. And Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And for me, it's his truth. And I think especially having come through a season of depression, for me, I was always so confused and unsure of myself and what was happening in my own 
thoughts and emotions and what I could trust and who I could trust and um, the fact that Jesus said, I am truth. That was something that was really, really important to me. Um, so, yeah, I think that's just one tiny example of the way that I think, um, yeah, his word has really ministered to me, um, directed me. Yeah, I could say people, that. people are looking for truth, aren't they? Yeah. They are looking for truth. Mm-hmm. You know, you hear about fake news and fake this and fake that. Mm. And actually, we want the truth. Exactly, and yeah. I, think, I love what you just said there. The Bible is God's word. Mm. It is God's word. And Jesus, as you said, I am the way, mm. the life, and the yeah. truth. So, um, so, wonderful. What would you say about why the Bible is important to you, Paul? Um, I think on a very basic level, just because it points me to God and it reveals who God is um, and you know God's the source of life and everything and you know I I, I want to know him better and uh, the Bible tells me about him and especially in Jesus on whom the whole Bible is centered so um, I guess I I also feel like the Bible um, it's got Sort of the deepest truths about our human situation, and and you know, I want to live life as the way it was meant to be lived, and um, uh, and that's in a right relationship with the Maker, um, a right relationship with each other, one another, and with myself, and with this amazing universe that we have the privilege to be part of, mm-hmm. and the Bible helps me to understand how to do that uh, and uh, so yeah I guess on a I read the Bible um, in a way on an intellectual level to understand better um, to understand who God is what he's like um, and but also on a, a heart kind of spiritual level because it helps me reading the Bible helps me to connect with God to um, I get very easily distracted by life. Um, there's a million distractions, and um, reading the Bible helps me to reconnect, to focus on God. To um, you know, it, it's all about a relationship with God, and um, reading the Bible helps me to relate to God, to have that relationship, and to uh, uh, yeah, to to relate on that spiritual level, to to listen to Him, to um, focus on him and those that may be listening if um, you want to do that for yourself then obviously as a ministry precept ministries is helping people to connect with the word of God in a very practical way and uh, across all ages and stages of faith those coming to faith those maybe have been Christians a long time and uh, so if you are struggling to read the Bible study the Bible uh, or there's a particular book you want to study, you've never really got to grips with it, then do contact us as a ministry. Uh, we've got all the books of the Bible covered in some fantastic studies, so we would love to hear from you. Um, do you have a favourite Bible verse at all? Or is that maybe a seasonal thing? Um, it tends to be seasonal for me, as in um, that there's been various Bible verses that have meant a lot to me over time. Um, I think recently for me, um, 
one that's been particularly significant um, is Colossians 1, the whole chapter really, but if you want a verse or two, uh, 19 and 20, um, in him, for in him all the fullness of God, in Jesus that is, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, um, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, and making peace by the blood of his cross. So um, it just, for me, that just encapsulates who God is and what he's done and um, in Jesus and uh, how he's saved my life. So um, uh, that's become particularly significant to me. Uh, but the, whole, the whole of one Colossians. Uh, Colossians <laughs> one, sorry. Yeah. What about you, Abby? Yeah, um, for me, I'd have to say Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6. It was a verse that I learned as a child, a memory verse with a song, all that. And um, it's just stuck with me ever since. And at every step along the way, I feel like God has really taken that verse and sort of reminded me of it. I used it as a kind of a, a way of, a kind of, I guess, a nudge and a wink to me. You know, don't worry, I'm in this situation. Just keep trusting. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't depend on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll make your path straight. And I think for me, um, in general, but also I think more specifically in the work we do, it's just been so important that we've allowed God to lead us and guide us. And, you know, by nature, I like to have things nicely organized and planned out. And um, But it's just been so important to allow God to, to lead and to trust in him. Um, and to know that actually whatever happens, you know, he, he, he will make the path straight. It doesn't necessarily mean the path will be easy, but um, I'd rather do life with him than without him. And so therefore I want to um, allow him to, to lead us and tell us the way that he would have us go, because essentially that's, that's the best thing we can do for ourselves. I'd rather do life with him mm-hmm. than without him. That is wonderful. So what's next for you guys? Uh, I think the big the big thing is having this baby. <laughs> I think it's fair to say that's pretty um, pretty much the next thing on the horizon. But um, all being well, we do hope to head back to Taiwan a few months after the baby's born um, to um, join a church planting team in a slightly different area of Taiwan. Um, so we're starting to think a bit more about that, what that might look like for us. Yeah. And how can we pray for you? Um. We don't know what we're doing with baby. <laughs> so, um, uh, yeah, pray for us. <laughs> I hear it's life-changing. So, um, yeah, we, we're very excited. Of course. Yeah, I think probably the biggest thing um, that, we, that is on our minds is not just having baby, but um, then moving back to Taiwan with a small one. Um, uh, that that seems kind of crazy. Yeah, we can't get our heads around that. But we know, you know, from both experience and and just we know that God does look after us and He'll make things happen. So, um, yeah. and that you you know what's going to happen to that child by the time it's two or three years old, going to speak Chinese fluently, much better than us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, as I was um, just thinking about you guys in the um, podcast today, um, the Lord brought a verse to me and um, I just want to share it with you and um, pray this verse for you both and it's from John 15 verse 16 and it says this you did not choose me but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide 
so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. So, Paul and Abby, thank you so much for coming today. Um, thank you for we, having us. We'd love to get your email updates and newsletters, mm. and uh, we'll be praying for you on the 25th of May, or <laughs> whenever that is. Yeah, thank you very and, much. Uh, and as you go back, whenever that may be, to Taiwan. And I really do pray that God does a wonderful, wonderful work through you guys. Thank you. Thanks very much. And thank you for listening. You have been listening to The Bible and Me podcast by Preset Ministries UK. If you enjoyed this episode, please click the subscribe button now and consider leaving us a rating or review. If you'd like to learn more about the ministry or make a donation, visit www.precept.org.uk or follow us on Facebook, Instagram and YouTube at Preset Min UK.